podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Live Birds pod brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing where you can get 25% off everything using the coupon code AI VPN. Liberty Shield also have free VPN apps for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. I am delighted that uh, we're back talking to you again. Um, it's strange times at the moment across the world, so hopefully this will just be a little bit of uh, light relief as we go through. I have my regular contributors, uh, Randy and Molly, with me. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Hiya. Hi. <laughs> From the home office in Norway. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, Molly, you're in you're in your home in uh, Kuwait. Is that right? Yeah. I've been here for a while. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kuwaiti lockdown as we speak. Uh, probably UK lockdown <laughs> following very shortly, um, <clears throat> but we will we will try and not focus too much on that in in the short term. So uh, it's been a few weeks since we've uh, been together, and things have changed a little bit um, in some respects, and not changed at all in others. Um, <clears throat> so let's start off by the um, infamous winter break that um, everybody spent a lot of time talking about and uh, we eventually got, uh, notwithstanding FA Cup replays on one thing and another. Um, what do we think about the winter break? And when we can talk specifically about how we think it's impacted Liverpool, um, but more generally, because clearly the English league was out of kilter for a very long time with most of the other European leagues. So, Randy, let me let me start with you, um, either Liverpool specific or more generally. How do you think uh, the first winter break has landed in the Premier League? Uh, well... <laughs> Not as hoped, I would say. Um, I can only speak about Liverpool because I didn't really follow the others after. But I think going back as well, looking for whenever we've had the break, we've never looked like fresh and ready when we came back. And we certainly didn't this time either. So, of course, obviously they were doing their bits. It was not like they were at the beach and having a party. But they were relaxing, and I think they needed that. And obviously, Klopp needed to keep his promise to the players. And it became politics more than anything, I think. And that's fine. But yeah, we we didn't really use the break in the way that I was expecting us to come back firing and all cylinders. So, what do you what do you think's behind 
find that then um you sort of say you know generally when we we've had a break you know we've we've come back and we've not we've not been firing what do you, what do you think's behind that well i think what what we've normally done is like going away together having a sort of mini uh pre-season haven't we yeah and of course when you come back then you can always say well it's in their legs they've been doing too much training so in two weeks they're going to be fine again and it's going to last the rest of the season and I actually think that that's the whole thing behind it for club but this time it wasn't like that they were not having that um, heavy training in their legs in the break but I think what they did the week after uh, or maybe two even was doing heavy training to get back up again and you could see that in the matches mm. it looked like they were uh, really there and if you see how far how long time that they had to spend to get really at it again it was Bournemouth and then it was uh, Atletico where they really really looked like here they are this is how we're supposed to look yeah weeks, isn't it well it's um it's a it's an interesting uh I think it's sort of interesting in terms of um you know, when you think about the amount of crap that got thrown at Klopp because of the FA Cup replay and him just saying, well, I won't be available. Um, and then, like you say, the, the um, you know, the return that we had, um, which basically was, it was the, the Norwich game uh, was sort of where we came back and then we had... Um, you know the Atletico away leg straight straight after that um, before before the West Ham game, um, and I think to be fair we we probably looked ropey, um, well maybe sluggish is maybe a slightly better word mm. than ropey. Um, Molly, you know as a, as a principle, is the winter break something that um, that you support um, and you know, notwithstanding the the current extraordinary um, conditions that we're in, is this something that you think should be part of you know the league going forward? Because I'm not 100% clear that this is always going to happen. I thought this was um, I thought this was a, um, a like a one-time only deal, but I might have got that wrong. I thought I was in favour of it, but then it turns out Liverpool need momentum and nothing can stop that. Otherwise, um, we start losing games. We start, uh, start not playing to the level that, that we were playing at before. Um I mean, in all seriousness, though, I would rather not have a break, but see like less congestion of yeah. fixtures, especially around the Christmas period. I think that makes more sense to me. And the reason mm. kind of people like Klopp were fighting for a winter break is because they said, well, you put all of these fixtures in December and it's you're putting too much strain on these athletes because they're playing too much in different places all over the world and if you go going to do that to them you then have to give them a break 
Well, obviously, the alternative is not to have, you know, three games in a week over yeah. Christmas or whatever, just because everyone's at home watching the telly or whatever, you know. And so I... And again, it it's not a break if you put games in there. And I don't care if it's a replay. I don't care what the, the your fucking excuse is. Whatever, you know, if you're for the FA Cup, whatever. You can't yeah. put a game in the winter break if you're saying there's a break, because then that's not a break. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd rather see it. And I think, I think, and I think people who wanted the winter break was agree with me it's well just that there doesn't have to be that congestion of fixtures over that period of december like there's no real reason for that that surely can be spread out over the year without a winter break and just kind of um spreads out whether you look at um, where you're playing internationals mm-hmm. or whether you, you're looking at how many rounds of the League Cup the top flight teams have to go in for, whatever it is, that to me is a better, a better answer the, than having just a break that's not really a break. So there's, I think there's a, there's a few things that, you know, we could, we could explore in there one of the things in terms of the, the reduction of fixtures, and, and I know we've probably touched on this before, but the original plan for the Premier League when it was set up was for it to be an 18-team league. It started at 22, it went down to 20, and then it never went down to 18. And that, almost within a stroke, would get rid of um uh, uh you know whatever round of um you know those those fixtures so two two rounds of fixtures so two two weekends or two midweeks or whatever you want to call it if you went if you went down to an 18 team league but of course that's somewhat particularly with parachute payments or what have you asking turkeys to vote for christmas but you know, with with the way things are changing and the fact that, you know, UEFA, you know, supposedly want, you know, more games in the Champions League and they've created this Nations League and, you know, they're moving the uh, African Cup of Nations back to, you know, the winter and so on and so forth. At some point, something's got to give. And so whether it's cup competitions or whether it's actually um, the number of, teams you have in the league I think we need to start looking at more radical solutions because you have the the players really are elite athletes now and you know the the amount of sports science and work that's put into them in terms of monitoring them to such a level clubs know almost to the day when players are getting towards those red lines or whether, you know, whether they, they can play at their optimum for another week or another, you know, in another four days. So I do think there need to be some quite uh, different discussions about what the future of football might actually look like. Um, 
in terms of in terms of our domestic club competitions, you know, we've talked about it before in terms of, you know, do they have the same cachet or or, you know, do we have the same allegiance to them that we had in in previous years? And and frankly I don't. You know, as a club we want Liverpool to win trophies and I'm I'd be delighted for us to win the League Cup or the FA Cup if we go into it. But frankly, personally, the big ones are the Premier League and the Champions League for me now, and the others are, are little bonuses. So, and sadly, that's something that's you know that's changed over the last ten to fifteen years. So, sorry, folks, um, <laughs> I've got a bit of a cold. It, I don't think it is the coronavirus. <laughs> um, I don't think I have all of the symptoms. But anyway, I'm not very well, so you'll be pleased to know I'm self-isolating. Um, but we were gonna, we're doing this pod anyway. So, so forgive me if I have a little bit of a, a cough or a sneeze as we go through. Um, so, Randy, what what would you do then? So Molly's talked about, you know, maybe reducing rounds of the League Cup or uh, looking at other options. What what would be your preference in terms of if we were going to change things? What would you like to see done? Well, for the start, I would uh, I would actually start with uh, scrapping the whole league cup because uh, it's not normal to have two cups in in the league and then a very straining league and then on top of that international football and then on top of that Champions League or European League. So it is too much. And I mean, I think Klopp has suggested this: start talking together, talk to each other. Uh, all these different uh, you know ownerships and leaders and all these. Uh, UEFA, FA, and all the rest of it, and and scrap one of the league, um, one of the cups, and that whether that's the FA Cup or the League Cup, I don't care. But it seems like the FA Cup is the most uh, prestigious. I don't know, uh, but people need to talk together because uh, I do agree these people are top athletes and they're supposed to perform day in day out. But in no no other sports they have peaks every week. Because you can't. Do you have a peak around World Cup or around the Olympics or around whatever the, the season? And the season lasts like maybe a half a year for other sports. So these people are supposed to perform 11 out of 12 months a year at least. And that is not possible, I think. So either we have to build out the, the each team mm. has to have two teams. I mean, I, I'd love us to have two teams that are as good at, as the best team yeah uh, so then you have to scrap something you have to let something go i think okay so um you know i i i suppose i have some some affection for the league cup um in terms of it was i think it was one it was the first or second trophy live i ever saw us win um, I'd obviously seen stuff on the TV, but in terms of actually uh, being there, so but but I do agree that something's something's got to give. Um, and uh, sadly for us, one of the things that that did give in the last few weeks was our mm. um, unbeaten league record. So you know, there's part of me that sort of feels that if we were going to lose it, then I'd rather we lost it to Watford um, yeah. than potentially going to Goodison. 
and losing it there, for example. Um, but I don't know that we were, uh, and I'm probably going to end up saying this a couple of times around recent results, I don't think we necessarily deserved a 3-0. Um, but it is what it is. Um, and it kind of brings us on more more broadly to, to what I, I guess what I'm terming sort of fragile February. Um, a bit of an up and down month for us re- results wise. A, a number of the results that we got, um, you could argue we were slightly fortunate or actually, you know, we, we talked about it early. We kind of played just as well as we needed to, to get over the line, but you could see there was some, you know, some individual mistakes um, coming in, coming into games from from players. So, how do we how do we feel, Molly, around the the loss of the unbeaten league record? Um, are you of the same view of mine, but rather that than at Goodison, or are you just still annoyed <laughs> that we didn't manage to stay unbeaten? Um, not that bothered because, and I think I said this last time when we talked about where we want to win the league, where we don't want to win the league. I don't care. Um, I just want to win it. And as it stands, you know, it's the six points there and that's it. And so, you know, we could have, not that I actually want this, we could have taken it to the last day and and if we won it I'd still be like like unbelievably happy um I think the unbeaten thing it would have been nice but it would have been like an extra to me like it's not something that I'd set my heart on um it was a shit game to watch though wasn't it like I found that game really, really difficult to watch. Um, yeah. Because uh, I think it was almost so out of character for the Liverpool team that we've watched all season. Yeah. Um, or at least kind of before the winter break. I think I'd forgotten what it was like um, <laughs> to like not watch the best team in the world. <laughs> I was just like... Who are these men in <laughs> playing in, in this shirt? I don't know who they are. Um, so it was, but I mean, so it was, it was crap to watch. But you know, in terms of being unbeaten, that that's not something that I'd, I'd set my heart on. So um, I was bothered because of obviously I sat and watched us get beat three 0 by Watford, but that bothered me. Yes. And the loss of points bothered me. And like, right, okay, it's one extra game till we win the title, as opposed to it being the record. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it absolutely, it absolutely makes sense. Um, Rand, we obviously followed that up. Um, and feel free to give your views about the Watford game. You can tell us what your notes said. Um, but we followed that up with the um, loss at Chelsea in the FA Cup. Um, and I was a, I went to Stamford Bridge uh, for that game, and that was a slightly strange game as well, actually, because, um, and I don't think I'm being unfair, 
but I actually thought we were the better team in the first half, um, particularly. And again, it was individual mistakes that seemed to let us down. And you know, Adrian, you know, not not catching the ball or you know looking to punch and it sort of going off at an angle and then you know these sort of breakaway goals and we we didn't appear to have too much imagination in the final third um and I thought Chelsea defended very well and overall were you know deserved to go through but again it was more individual mistakes for me than it was a, a, you know a an overall poor performance we weren't brilliant but we weren't awful it was just you know we were kind of okay but just not okay enough in order to get to get a result um but yeah losing i think it was um i read something on social media it was something like 14 months since we'd lost two games back to back and i think that was a bit of a a jolt to the system to your point i'm not used to it I'm not used to, you know, going to, you know, having a game and we lose it and then we lose the next game. That's that's apparently not what we do anymore. So that was a bit of a shock to the system. So, yeah, Randy, what did what did you make of those two games? Well, I could just uh, <laughs> echo Molly, really. I mean, we were not used to see them lose at all. And especially two in a row there, it was such a hard beat to take. It was uh, it was like, oh, so is that everything is going to fall apart now then? It's all going to go now then? You know, we're not going to get anything for this run. But then um, I, I agree with you. It was not like we were the worst team against, against Chelsea, but it looked a bit like we were holding back and a bit like like Klopp made the Dejan play and stuff like that and so I thought maybe he doesn't think this is an important match and maybe that's why they looked a bit falling apart a bit in the second half and they could have won that game or at least played the it could have been a draw full time because in the first we should have had two uh, but again we are not efficient enough and that is something that we've been all season um, Maybe not in all the games, but as an overall, we should have had two or three goals in every match because we had the opportunity. We just didn't push it on. We didn't get it through. And it looked really, very much looked like that in the Chelsea match, at least. And Watford was just something mm. you have to put behind you. I mean, I thought, well, that's, that was an error. Let, let's put that behind us and move on. And then you come and do this at Chelsea. Then I thought, well, it was the cup. We didn't want that one. And then luckily enough, moving ahead, when you come to Bournemouth, it was not like we blew them away, but we played completely different football. So that was very, very encouraging because I was yeah. baffled, I must say, about these two losses. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing, and I guess you know, we may as, we may as well sort of cover that little that little cluster of, of games. So you had, um, we obviously had the the Watford loss, then Chelsea, then we played Bournemouth, um, and again, I thought we started we started really well in that game, um, you know, sort of in in Anfield watching it, and then literally the first shot that Bournemouth had. <laughs> 
they put in the back they put in the back of the net. And and you're just thinking there's something really weird going on. It is literally like every mistake we had was getting punished. Um which was a bit like it was right at the start of the season. Um where we were we were winning but we weren't keeping clean sheets and we appear to be um kind of back in that sort of environment again. Um you know, we managed to we managed to get it over the line against Bournemouth, and then I guess to offset your point, Molly, around the Watford game, we then had City losing um, in the Manchester derby, which is you know, I, I mean to be honest, uh, you know, my perfect result would be you know both teams losing and some <laughs> red cards and some injuries, but you know you can't you can't have it all and. Uh, whilst I would never want United to succeed and I don't want them to be in a Champions League place, actually, in terms of our ultimate aim, that's probably the best result, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, which brings us back to just, you know, the the, the two more wins, when, whenever those might actually be. Um, so, I, yeah, it's been... I, February's been a weird... Well, February and going into March has been a bit of a weird one. Um, I think in terms of our sort of slightly sluggish, shaky form, um, which probably leads us uh, nicely into our um, Champions League exit. Um, <laughs> Randy, why don't because you because you were finishing? Why don't why don't I start with you? Do Do you have notes from that game? <laughs> I do have notes from that game, and it is a lot of very sad and angry faces, and very much fuck and fuck's sake shit uh and then yes bobby i mean that was to me that was like he's back so now we're gonna this we're gonna win this match uh he's back he scored that must mean something and uh i think we played a brilliant game absolutely magnificent game until and I, I must say, we can't put the blame on this game on one man. That, unfortunately enough, is one that has two misses that makes the whole thing happen. Um, uh, yeah, that it was the second, wasn't it? Uh, because um, yeah, so because so, we have a, so we last... you know we can't we can't say that well, we can't you do know, that because as, you win as, as a team, said, you lose as a team. Yeah, and as Klopp said, we should have scored four, two more goals. It would not have been a problem. I mean, uh, we had uh, 34 shots, 11 on goal. We had one in the crossbar. We had uh, Ox and Genie and Bobby and Salah that was doing everything, right? We had Trent that was bombing it in. Unfortunately, though, half of his crosses this time uh, was was like chest height. I don't know why. And I, I thought... Just shoot on goal because it was such a lovely smash to those uh, crosses. Mm. He hits them so hard and so difficult to take. So I'm sure, I mean, if he wasn't for that keeper, Oblak, we could have had two or three more. Who Who is one of the best goalkeepers in the world, let's be honest. He is, though. Um, and that was probably one of the differences. You know, we didn't have Alisson in goal no. and... Uh, he he might not have been pre- be able to prevent all three, but I suspect he probably wouldn't have created the conditions for the first one. Um, the second and the third, well, 
you you just you just won't know. But you know, potentially his positioning might have been slightly better. Um, yeah, but their second goal, it was Virgil, Hendo, and Gomez that didn't manage to stop one guy. I mean, yeah, I think that's as much to blame as anything else. Yeah, so it's I, the whole team, but they played so much better, and I was so happy about watching what I did. And were you there? I was, I was oh, there. Um, it was, it, you know, it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, you know, notwithstanding whether the Atletico Madrid should have even fans should even have been in Liverpool, it was a, it, it was a cracking atmosphere, and um, and I actually thought that's that's the best we've played since the winter break. I thought we were magnificent as well, uh, particularly in the second half of normal time um mm. you know before you get to first of uh, you know i don't think there's been many teams to put atleti under so much pressure in that respect um for for a team that's you know so defensively set up um you know for a for a long time and they they know they were in a game um molly i think the bit and i did say i would probably say this a few times I felt it was very cruel for us to end up on the end of a loss in that actual tie. Um, I presume you got to see the. I know the timing wouldn't work, but on the basis you you're on lockdown, you might have been able to watch it. Yeah, I know. I watched it. <laughs> um, one of the only things I can do at the minute. Um, but yeah, it did feel very cruel. It felt like it was. Definitely the best we've played in quite a long time, and definitely the like the most attacking we've been in quite a long time as well. I mean, everything you know, the possession we had such a high, um, I think something like seventy percent possession. It was over thirty shots, over ten shots on target. Like if you look at like the statistics, and in terms of and a new statistic, you know, you have to score goals, um, and not make defensive errors and things like that, but. You know, it was certainly, I think, the most attacking football that we've played in quite a long time. And I thought there were certain players as well. Um, Oxley Chamberlain, for one, I thought was on fire. I thought that was one of the best games I've seen him play in ever. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought when Yaldum was incredible as well. I thought Salah was on fire. Um, Firmino... Like if you, and it sounds really stupid, but if you remove and you just showed like the rest of the game, there's no way you would have kind of said, "Oh yeah, Liverpool have lost this one." Like Liverpool concede free goals. Liverpool don't, or even like Liverpool didn't score enough to kind of counter the defensive errors. It it this one felt unfair, it, and I would say even more so than the Watford game. This one just felt like that, like that was never the scoreline. That that wasn't really what happened. Completely agree with you. It was like a, a shock to the system. The way we played, I think we deserved more. It and you know sometimes you don't always get you know what you deserve uh, from from games, but that felt uh, particularly unfair under the circumstances. And you know whilst I would. 
you know, I recognise what Simeone does at Atletico, um, and he has a style of playing, and it works very well for him. Um, I didn't. I thought, you know, the the comments that Klopp made kind of afterwards, where he sort of said, you know, if, um, you know, if I was playing football like that, you know, I I wouldn't be in football. I thought, and he did come out and say, look, I'm a really bad loser at this point, so this is probably not going to come out very well. And I and I kind of get it, but we knew what we were getting by playing Atletico Madrid, and the fact was we needed to find a way to get past them and we didn't so i don't have a i don't have an issue about going out i'm clearly gutted that we've gone out but i don't have a issue in terms of that ultimately they ended up beating us over two legs as much as that, that may feel unfair um but i do uh, you know we were talking about it in in the pub afterwards about what is it that we need to learn from these two games against atletico um so is there anything particular that jumps out at you, Randy, in terms of the learnings that we should, you know, we should take from those two games? I'm tempted to say it has something to do with being patient. But at the same time, I quite uh, prefer us as a team that is bumming forward and play really fast, uh, precise and moving football. But I could see that when we lost this game, it was probably because we were so focused on doing exactly that, that we didn't cover our backs at all. And I was a bit surprised by that because I think this season we played more like a patient and controlling team all over, at least, if you look away from the two losses. And suddenly we were not. It was like he was trying us to go back to two seasons ago when we were like, bumming teams and winning four and five nil and we were sort of doing that but not defending well so i think um i don't know i i, I was baffled by the tactic that he he used the ox on the right wing very worked very well and trent more in the midfield worked very well but we were not patient enough so i think maybe patience uh, combined with uh, heavy metal attack in between <laughs> is something that we could learn from, but I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't got a clue because, I, as I said, I like this so much in this match, uh, but I, we were certainly not patient enough. Okay, what about, um, you know, let's face it, uh, uh, Athleti are quite a streetwise team. Mm-hmm. Um, Molly, was there, I'm not suggesting we ape their tactics, was there something for you there that we could have managed better? That is, I mean, that's quite a difficult one. Um, I think that they, because I don't even think after kind of, it wasn't like after one goal, I think we crumbled. I think we still had the possession. We still had the attacker moves going forward. I think, um, you know, maybe being a little bit more savvy in front of goal. I don't, nothing from the Atletico team kind of stands out for me as being something that we couldn't have or didn't deal with. Um, it was, as I say, it was literally just kind of in front of goal because to have 
you know, 34, 35 or whatever shots and to only bury two of them is like, that's a bad day at the office, isn't it? And again, that's, I think for me and, and the, the keeper, all black, he, I think, did he get man of the match? Probably should have done if he didn't. Uh, I think he did. Um, to have like obviously like you say like w- like one of the best keepers in the world having a very good day like it I think at the away game I would have said yeah that there were kind of things and there were tactics and there was kind of I suppose a little bit of dirty play and stuff which got a little bit on top of some of our guys and I would have said that that was that was the case for the away leg, but I don't necessarily think that was the case for the home leg. I think it was just, I can't even really put my finger on what it was. I think it was just maybe a little bit of finesse in front of goal, their keeper having the best game of his life and a couple of defensive hiccups, shall we call them? Yeah, yeah let's <coughs> let's call them hiccups. Uh, I think that I think that's fair because, you know, we have been almost immaculate this season. So I think part of it is we're not used to seeing defensive hiccups. Um, We're so used to them, you know, finding a way to, you know, shovel players away or make that tackle or whatever it might be. Um, And in this game, I come back to there were a number of individual errors that contributed to it. Um, I think also one of the things that was fairer in inverted commas was the referee performance. I don't think the referee was fantastic, but I thought the referee was a much more uh, balanced referee in the leg at Anfield than, than the one that we got in Madrid, who I thought was universally awful. Um, but you you know, and at the end of the day, we're out. Um, now, having said that, <laughs> uh, um, the competition has been suspended. So I don't know, you know, how long this, this will go on for. Um, we've obviously got the uh, suspension now of the Premier League until April the 3rd at the earliest. Um, so in theory, if it does does, if it does start up and we do play, then our game is against Man City. And if we win that, we win the league. So it's uh, it could be an interesting point in which to re-engage with football. And there is a, a sort of question in my mind around, um, you know, there's been all of this stuff uh, saying that the fitness of the players, you've probably got two weeks before it starts dropping off. Uh, you know, before you, you start kind of losing that, that complete match fitness and the, that peak. Um, and if they're not able to train together, uh, which, well, certainly some clubs aren't because, you know, they've had people test positive and one thing and another. Um, so, you know, uh, it, I suppose... I am assuming that the, the medical staff are giving them more individual training programs and the vast majority of them have got facilities in their house that they can use because they're all multi-millionaire um, yeah. 
football players, but it, it there must be the strangeness about not having that camaraderie of coming in on a on a daily basis into Melwood and seeing everybody and you know just just having your normal banter and whatever else goes on on your daily training sessions. And I don't, I mean Molly, you've probably got the best you know example of this because you've been on lockdown for the last few weeks i mean what do you what do you do or how do you try and um you know keep keep some of that whilst not actually physically seeing people it's awful it's like and there's no exaggeration but just it it really is it's not good for your it's not good it's and I mean, I'm not being dramatic here. I am in week three. This has not been like just a couple of days. Um, and even I think like just not not seeing your co-workers, you know, everything's via WhatsApp. Um, you know, everything's a task because you have to go via WhatsApp or via email. You can't go and have a conversation with someone. And even just that like human yeah. interaction day to day is hard. Like, not having that yeah. is hard and I think you know I mean in one sense I mean it's different for me than it is for a footballer but they've got that real team um dynamic going on whereas I'm used to but I'm you know on the, the other side I'm used to I'm a teacher I'm a high school teacher so I'm used to seeing yeah. 100 different kids a day I'm used to my days being like manic and crazy and busy and full of different people, you know, each one of my classes has 28 children and I might teach five classes a day, you know, seeing well over a hundred different faces every single day. And when that's suddenly taken from you, it's, it's not, it's not easy to kind of get to grips with And Okay. Mine is a completely different situation to a footballer, but like you were saying that camaraderie, that team, that and being surrounded you know because there is a lot of them that it's a big team and you think about the medical staff um all the kind of analysis guys the guys in the gym the managers the kit guys even the lunch ladies like whoever it is you're seeing so many different people um all day every day and when it's suddenly taken from you, it's it's been really difficult, actually. Like, it's been, mm. it's not been the easiest. And, okay, you know, thankful that we're, you know, we're well, our families are well in that. You know, Q8 is doing this to protect us and to protect those children. Yeah. However, it is, it's not, it's still not easy. And I'm guessing, as I say, for footballers who are used to that, um, being outside even just going out and you know being constantly outside out in the fresh air yeah it's 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 a difficult adjustment and if they've got to kind of adjust to that very quickly over two or three weeks and then get straight back into I mean are they quarantined are they at Melwood though like are they still going to training they're Uh, still training and stuff aren't they if it goes into if it goes into full lockdown, it will be very difficult. If they're still kind of doing training and stuff, then I assume that a lot of those battles are kind of going to be okay. But there are some teams on lockdown, aren't there? Quarantines. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know that Liverpool or Everton. Uh, I did see a funny tweet, though. We haven't. Ever, yeah, part, go on. 
part of Everton's training's been licking doorknobs for the past two weeks, trying to get the season to a, a standstill. <laughs> I'm sure they haven't been, but it did make me laugh. <laughs> but no, so you've got, at the last count that I knew, with seven teams were in lockdown. So um, I think it was Watford, um, it was Arsenal, it was uh, Bournemouth, Everton, Man City, um, Brighton, maybe, um, and another one, and I've forgotten. Liverpool wasn't on that list. Um, but but the, if you look the, at the if you look at the LFC TV, uh, they say that they've gone into voluntary suspended Melbourne activity. So that means they they're not training together at the moment. No, okay. they're they they're obviously taking precautions as anybody else would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in uh, in terms of trying to minimise exposure. Uh, but this is the thing. So. You can have your individual training programs, and everybody can go off and do their do their thing. But like you say, if if it comes back, if football comes back on the third of April, and like you say, you might by this point you might have twelve teams that have had. Um, let, let's say some of them are still training together, um, and some of them aren't. So you, you'll have a real mixed bag. Of, of teams that have actually been able to do collective work, <coughs> pardon me, versus um, those that have all been, like you say, in voluntary suspension or on lockdown or whatever else it, it might be. So you're going to have a real, you're going to have a real mixed bag as well um, in terms of where players are. And it might not just be three weeks, but I do think there's um, there's clearly another meeting this coming week of the Premier League. There's a meeting of UEFA uh, in terms of, I am assuming that they will defer Euro 2020 to 2021. Um, there's talk about, you know, you know, potentially doing the season, finishing it between July and September. Um, and then maybe not starting the next season until November or December, but truncating it and various up, you know, there's all. I don't think anything's off the table at the moment. What I was interested to see, and I think we are sort of straying somewhat into it, any other business, but it does relate to this, was uh, the delightful Karen Brady um, yeah. and her comments <laughs> on, uh, not not self-serving at all. No agenda there whatsoever. That no, no, no. we should just declare the season null and void whilst West Ham are just above the relegation zone on goal difference. Um, and also giving the interview to the Sun, which is always always lovely. Um, so yeah. so <laughs> I just think you know we we are in extraordinary times at the moment, um, and. I don't think anything is potentially off the table, but I do think there would be such legal ramifications uh, in terms of trying to declare a season null and void at this point. I don't, I honestly don't think that 
could be an outcome because of the implications of uh, relegation and uh, promotion from the championship apart from anything else as well as Champions League places who goes into competition yeah. next season um, there are so but that's many the thing. like it would never be null and void like even if they said that it was it never would be because there are too many factors involved yeah. so if they say it's null and void there are still teams that are going to go into the Champions League next year there is still like it's and there are too many leagues like we're just thinking about the Premier League like the top league like it's I'm guessing it affects like FA Cup places next year like League Cup places next year there's so like and I, and I keep saying this like like money talks and there is so much money at stake if they declare it null and void there are so many teams potentially losing out that I I don't think that that is a it's a possibility. No, because can't. whatever the outcome, there still has to be four teams going into the Champions League next year. There still has to be teams going into the UA the Europa League next year. Yeah. Like, so they might stay null and void, but that's not a possibility. Like realistically, so if no. if it's not a possibility, there has to be a way around it. And I mean. I mean, obviously, we're thinking really, really selfishly because of that piece of silverware that we're so desperate for. Yeah. But, you know, you think about yeah. the teams who are fought to be top of leagues lower down, who are fighting yeah, for places what? in, in leagues above. Like, they'd be like, fuck this. Like, what? <laughs> like, ha- like, that to me yeah. is what, like... For, as a Liverpool fan, no, it's not worse. The worst thing would be if we weren't Grand Premier League champions because the, the, the league was um, declared on the void. But, you know, realistically, if you're looking at it from a neutral standpoint, like, that's horrendous to work so hard for a season and not be promoted when you yeah. are deserving of it is horrendous. Like, it's utterly horrendous. And I don't think, I just can't see that being an outcome. No, and you know, you might argue, um, because also we played seventy five percent of our games, um, although there were a small number of teams that haven't. Um, but you know, if if it was you know, we were ahead on goal difference or we were ahead by one point or something, you know, you might have more of an argument to say, Well, nothing was you know, nothing was decided. The fact is, we've got a twenty-five point lead. The, yeah. the likelihood of that there there are no nobody anywhere would give you any odds that, regardless of when this season is finished, we wouldn't be champions. So I I agree that I don't think it can be. Um, I don't think null and void is a is an option at all. Um, and and frankly, you know, it was quite interesting on social media because you saw a load of West Ham fans going, uh, by the way, she doesn't speak for us. We can't stand her. We want yeah. her out of the club. <laughs> and and she could take Sullivan and Gold with her on her way out. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it was a universally popular statement she was making. It, um, it wasn't. And is it even Jack and a couple of other friends who are all Evertonians were like, yeah, 
if they don't give it to Liverpool, that's a joke. Like, it's a joke. Like, you can't not. If you're going to stop the season now, you can't not. And not with an asterisk and not with a... Someone was talking about, like, we wouldn't get the, the cup, we'd get a shield or something. And they were like, no, that's... <laughs> you, like, you can't. That's ridiculous. That's like, baller. you're so far ahead. That's... And as I say, even as the Evertonians who've been licking the door handles or whatever, were like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not possible. You, they have to, like, you have to have it. <laughs> so I think it's, yeah, I think the general consensus is a lot of people, and not just Liverpool fans, would be confused if we didn't finish the season, they didn't finish the games, and they didn't give us yeah. the, the cup, the official silverware. Yeah, no, I think it, I go on, Randy. Well, uh, it is obvious we need to have that, <laughs> that uh, Premier League um, uh, bucket or whatever we call it, uh, because we are so so far ahead. But I think there is a theory about if we don't play it, finish now. If we just say, well, that was it. Uh, let's give that thing up to uh, Liverpool and let's not relegate anyone and let's pick Leeds and West Brom. No, who are they? West Brom? Up. So that will mean 22 uh, teams in the league next year. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a theory. But the thing is, well, it will still be, I mean, Man United will be desperate to get that top four, won't they? So they actually don't want to. Top five, depending on you know the sanction yeah, exactly. against Man City. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not going to happen anyway. Uh, but the thing is that so many people that has still got some something more to play for. But at least West Ham didn't have to go down then. Uh, and I think, uh, or at least my husband thinks that Leeds needs to get up soon. So I mean, something has to give and something has to get, you know. But at least. The team that leads with 25 points, if you stop it now, needs to be recognised as something else than a collateral or a diploma, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no, there's no platter, there's no diploma, there's no certificate <laughs> for trying hard. The fact is, it will be the Premier League trophy. And I think what we're talking about is we don't know when it will happen. That's that's the difference. I, I, you know, when I look through the ramifications all the way down the pyramid, because bearing in mind there's been a load of, uh, you know, anger around the fact that they were playing National League games this weekend. So all of the four divisions, um, yeah. the, the the English nice. Football League control, the Premier League, the FA Cup, the FA competitions, and the FA Women's League were all suspended, but the national conference went ahead. I think the the issue for for me is there's just been a complete and utter lack of consistency. Um, I think ultimately the integrity of the competitions means that you have to finish them. You just have to work out with this ongoing crisis when when you can safely do that, and and then you have to work out a timetable on the back of that as to how other competitions work or you know you make some radical changes for next season um you know i you know they're talking about scrapping you know the the qualifiers for 
the World Cup qualifiers uh, for this year, or you know, doing them in in some of them, you know, maybe not doing them until November. And there there are things that that can be done. I'm kind of on the you know, you could script, you know, you could scrap the the cup. Uh, personally, I I think I'd scrap the Nations League. Actually, is what I would do. Uh, um, you know, I think it's a bizarre new competition to introduce anyway, instead of friendlies, because you know, the earlier competitions you have people, you know, trying even harder for even longer. I'm not yeah. sure that's where we want people to be. So maybe you scrap that for for you know a season or two seasons, um, because if you need the qualifiers for the World Cup in 2022, you have to have the African Nations Cup, you have to have the CONCACAF um, competition, you have to have the Copa Libertadores, um, or Copa America, or whichever it is, uh, yeah, Copa America, because in order for, for, the, for the, you know, South American and the various other conferences to, um, to have their, their qualifying teams, if, they, if they're going to run the FA Cup in 2022. So something has to get. Um, and my view is, you know, get get rid of the, the competition. The, the It's almost like, you know, last in, first out for me. <laughs> get rid of the Nations League. Get yeah. rid of some of the other stuff. <clears throat> Just clear clear the calendar. Um, so, I don't know. It's, um, it's, I keep coming back to saying it's extraordinary. Very times, but these really are. Uh, um, but the thing and, is, could, you know, no, go on. No, sorry. Uh, we could be in a situation where we can't start playing, continuing the league, league as it is now until August. Yeah. That that would be and all the prognosis of how this uh, coronavirus is going to spread. Whether you do the British way with a high, high peak, killing a lot of people, or you do it Norwegian and European way with the you just started try to sort of. Uh, linger it out, but with not as much impact. It it could be August September at least before we can start playing. So oh, I don't know. <laughs> it looks absolutely weird at the moment. It's all up in the air. Uh, and what if we're going to start the next season in November? When are we going to be able to start the next one? And all, as you said, all these competitions in between. It's it's madness. So. I think the, I mean, I've, I've sort of heard a couple of people mention it, is that next season, maybe, um, if we, if it's going to start that late, maybe what you're talking about is it's a 20-game season or an 18-game, you know, depending on how many teams are in it, it is a single round of fixtures for everybody. Yeah, that can be the outcome, actually. Um, in order to finish it at a point where, you know, people, you know, you can you can still have, because if they move, for example, the Euros to 2021, because next season was due to be a, a fallow season, I guess, for, for any international competitions, so they have got that facility, is if you, it's normally a nine-month season, so that makes it, you know, four and a half, so maybe you start it in, November or December or something, and you run it until April or early May, like we would normally. Um, you have your single round of games. Season finishes. It is what it is. 
Um, and then you go into, you know, the Euros or, or whatever else, whatever what other competitions there might be doing. Because the other thing we haven't talked about is, you know, the suspension of the um, the Champions League and the, and the Europa League. Now, I know we're not in it anymore. And frankly, that came a day too late. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> um, but, but putting that to one side, um, it might be that they don't actually... They don't get to play that till November or September or whenever it might be. Um, so all of this is potentially going to go out much later into the year. And what it does mean, coincidentally, is that we'll we'll still be champions of Europe for quite a long time. <laughs> 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 That'd be another asterisk to be like, you know, who's the longest reigning European champions in the modern era? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's well, nice. It's, it's Liverpool who were who were Champions League uh, holders for for nearly two years due to <laughs> coronavirus. Um, anyway, but but you can conceivably see that happening, and on on that basis, you just don't. I don't think you can make. I don't think you can make plans. And like I say, you know, people like Karen Brady making stupid statements um, is frankly, you know, not in the slightest bit helpful but like I said I'm not I'm not sure how much credibility she's got left to be to be frank um so all of that notwithstanding let's let's move on to any other business we kind of strayed into it but uh Randy let's start with you what's your any other business I think it's interesting to see our plays uh through social media in these it's only been a couple of days but you know different circumstances uh, you see uh, Alison and his missus doing the uh, washing your hands challenge yes from, uh, uh, we are Joe and that is completely him isn't it him and her though together because they're, she's a yeah doctor, and they're really they're, proper they're, and they're, you know um, aren't they you they're UNICEF or WHO ambassadors as well aren't yes, they yes they are they are so they're, they're so you know doing the right things all the time and they're really they're cute and they're lovely and they're doing uh, all sorts of good. And then on the other hand, you have Ox and his missus. Of course, they're dancing. They're doing this very, very charming little dance up and up the stairs. That looks really difficult. So they probably had hours of practice. And they're also very cute, but they're so different, aren't they? Um, I kind of like that to just have a little look into who who are these people you know what are they doing with themselves on, yeah on spare time and it's lovely to see so uh keep going strong you know uh playing ping pong genie plays ping pong and uh i mean it's nice to have contact did with you him see the, I... um... <laughs> sorry did you see you mentioned that did you see the little post from uh sadio mane on, yeah. um, <laughs> on instagram away on a... hello <laughs> Hello, yeah. Corona, please go away. <laughs> oh, it's cute as well, isn't it? Just so sweet. <laughs> really lovely. It's just, you know, yeah, you just want to hug him, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm just sure, you know, I'm sure that all these guys are going to miss Klopp's hugs. Because that's something else now, isn't it? That he's not going to hug them anymore until the Corona goes. Well... <laughs> not in the short term, no. I suppose I suppose he's not gonna have to. It's all it's all like elbow bumping and stuff, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. 
that's that's what we've been doing at, at work or when I've been like we just bump elbows. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um no, it is it is nice, but you know, the other thing that I thought was really nice was the stuff in terms of um Jordan Henderson coming out and you know the squad looking to support the food banks. Yeah. Because uh, without the match day activity, which normally you'd get the donations from, there's there's like a massive gap there. So I thought that was great. And, you know, to be fair to Everton, they've been, you know, they've been doing that um, all season as well. So I think, you know, there's and there's lots of clubs who do kind of work really well in the community. But it was just, it was a nice thing to see in the midst of um, all of the stupidity. Yeah. Um, selfishness that you've seen from people i don't know maybe it's a particularly british thing um at the moment because we we're, we're led by fucking donkeys um it's people just going into shops and just you know coming out with 74 rolls of toilet paper and, all this. and it's just like that's not that's not one of the outputs right if you've thrown a virus toilet paper is it doesn't the, give you the, the shit it's just it's just nonsense. So yeah, so it's it's nice to see something nice. Um It's definitely a British thing because we're on, as I say, week three of full lockdown here and you can still get stuff. Like you go in the shop and there's there's still everything that you need is there. The only things open at the minute are the supermarkets and there's toilet rolls, hand wash. <laughs> Yeah. Sanitizer, cleaning products. We've got everything. Lot. It's fine. Yeah, you see, there was a again on social media. I saw it was a guy in America, I think it was, who basically bought like seven thousand bottles of hand sanitizer. Yes, yeah, that one. Oh my god! And was and then you know was stockpiling it and then trying to um then and then trying to put it on eBay or whatever. And I just thought, you absolute prick, yeah. right? This is this is the mentality of people who are just going to try and take advantage of people in crisis. I find I find that whole mentality, frankly, just a disgraceful, disgusting. I hope he gets. I hope he gets exactly what he deserves, where he'll be stuck with seventeen thousand bottles of hands. <laughs> I think he there. is because. Uh, like Amazon and, and eBay are refute which is I think where he was intending to sell it, got wind and have basically said he can't use their sites if okay. we're thinking of the same person. So we can't use Amazon or eBay or anything to get rid of it, which I think was the plan. Good. Serve him right. <laughs> Swipe. Uh so Molly, you're any other business. <laughs> Sorry, I went off on yeah, a slight tangent. And and it's fine it's fine i'm gonna i'm gonna um this has had mixed reviews even from the free liver birds currently on but i'm gonna plug it anyway um so if you haven't followed laura lex on twitter she has basically this week yeah. discovered jürgen klopp and mm. when he swore at the fans or well kind of swore in reference to the fans um, who put their hands out for the players? She watched that clip of Jurgen Klopp, 
and has since fell in love with him and has kind of created a thread on Twitter where she imagines she's married to him and the kind of sensible things that he would do as part of married life and it made me laugh it really made me laugh I laughed I already followed her I've seen her live I've genuinely I've seen her live at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and she's brilliant she's a brilliant comedian um really really down to earth really really funny um and that's why so that's why I saw her because I already followed on Twitter because I'd seen her at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Um, okay so I, yeah, so she's genuinely a comedian. She's genuinely, I think she's on tour with John Bishop at the minute, which might be why she has some exposure to Jurgen Klopp. Um, oh, yeah. But, like, genuinely really funny. And I think she's just in a similar situation to a lot of people, can't carry on going on tour, has been a little bit bored and just develops yeah. this incredible infatuation with Jurgen Klopp, and it's quite funny. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, I don't I think most of us could blame her. Um, no, but, but yes, <laughs> no, I did. It was. It was. Um, <clears throat> it the was first tweet was just. <laughs> if you look at the first tweet, she just has such a revelation. She was yeah. like, "Well, this mad, this this sensible man saying <laughs> sensible things." Like, and that's basically what the first tweet is. Just. Where did this sensible man come from? Um, but yeah, then it it gets it does get a little bit out of hand. But yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's just it's it gets it's a bit of a giggle. <laughs> it is. Um, but it's I think it, it's worth it's worth a little read. It's a bit of a giggle, isn't it? It is, and I and I did have a read, and I and I I did find some of it quite funny actually. Um, like I say, it takes it takes a, 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 sli- a slightly weird twist. Um, but anyway, it, uh, it's fine. It's fine. There's a lot of people who have fantasies about Jurgen Klopp in many different ways, and you know, each each to their own. I say. Yeah. Um, the think- IKEA one is a particular favourite. I think. Yeah, I, know. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Um, uh, my um, my any other business is uh, actually it is sort of Jurgen related because um, it is to do with letters. And oh, clearly, yeah. on on the last pod, we talked about the fact that he'd sent a really nice letter back to that Man United fan. Of course, since that little fuck that letter, little jinx, I know. Yeah, right. How where many is he? Have we <laughs> I, I was really. Where uh, is this child? <laughs> The teacher is going to turn into a cat. <laughs> it's it's uh he need that I, I thought the little child needed a slap anyway. Now he just needs a bigger slap. Yeah, but he but is a little jinx. Okay. Um, but then you've also got um the letter that he he sent out to the supporters, which I think is where Laura. Well, like you said, he was sort of swearing at you know whoever, but. You know, you've had so many people picking up on the letter um, and actually comparing it to, uh, you know, the response from Karen Brady, which is, well, let's just say the season's null and void and we're just thinking the WHO. Didn't someone, I was, that was literally what I was just about to say, yeah. Carry on. (laughs) Yeah, the, the, I can't, I 
can't pronounce the guy's name, but he basically wrote and said, thank you so much on behalf of the WHO. This yeah. is, in, in effect, this is the sort of leadership and support we need people to say um, and, and to give to people in terms of, you know, the sort of behaviour they should be displaying and one thing and another. Um, and and also, like you said, there was the, the bit in terms of the press conference I think it was was it I don't know if it was pre or post Atletico Madrid the second leg where the the reporter from Madrid sort of asked him about coronavirus and he said we've got to play you know we've got to play a football game right we don't have any choice you've flown all the way over here from Madrid to ask me a question about coronavirus are you worried because you didn't have to do that you could have stayed behind <laughs> And I do, so, I, so I just, I don't, I don't, so he just gets it, right? And I know we've sort of had this thing on Twitter, but he just, he is a genuinely decent human being and, and he just seems to be able to get the mood and get the, the tone right. Um, the bit that I do not understand and is sort of vaguely related to this is, why the fuck were 3,000 Atletico Madrid fans allowed to fly over here when Spain was on the verge of a national emergency and a lockdown and Madrid was one of the cluster cities that had a massive spike in coronavirus cases. That makes no sense to me. And I'm fully expecting there will be a spike in Liverpool now because, yes. you know, they were all round town, they're in Williamson Square, they were singing around, they're in all the taxi queues and all of the rest of it in all of the hotels. And with the best will in the world, right, they will, a, a proportion of those will have been infected and they will have spread that infection rate around the northwest of England. It's inevitable. And then people were flying into London, coming up on trains, you name it. And, you know, Liverpool can't refuse them entry because then you just have 3,000 people wandering around all random places, you know, so yeah. they're. They're contained to a certain extent. I, for the life of me, I do not understand the thinking behind that decision, particularly when PSG and Dortmund were playing behind closed doors. Exactly. And that happened the day before and the same day as uh, Liverpool played. People in other countries were playing behind closed doors. And this shouldn't be down to each country because obviously some countries can't steer themselves, you know. So it should be down to the Champions League then to say what's going to happen now. I thought that was so weird that Liverpool got this. Uh, I mean, it was a lovely match. It was a lovely atmosphere. And, of course, they helped. So nothing against that. But it should no. be all, I mean, the same for all. That was really, really strange. And, of course, we couldn't do anything about it. Klopp couldn't say anything about it, although he probably would have wished that this was mm. a difference. But you can't. No, they. I do. I do. Kind of. There's a lot of conspiracy theories in there about how um, certain governments don't like Liverpool, trying to get rid. Thought that was quite a just trying to wipe us off the map. Thought that it was Jesus, quite evident when they. Well, I mean, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but generally, like you know, thought it's a bit weird. I, I, I they, can't believe they people don't come up with that. They don't remember us when it comes to funding schools, funding councils. They remember Liverpool exists or the North West exists when 
They're transporting yeah. people back from China with the coronavirus. They're all putting back in it. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I that's know. yeah. All the athletes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you can come in. You're going to Liverpool. Going to Liverpool. That's fine. Stay yeah. in that city. Not a problem. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It can't be. Uh, that is absolutely so. Uh... But it was. It was that weird. It was like why. Not only are they all coming, but we're then going to confine them in a space with thousands of other people. <laughs> like, yeah. what? What is? What is the thinking behind that? Yeah, that, that, I, I'm, I'm still baffled, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely baffled. Um, so we are uh, coming to the end of this pod. Clearly, we don't have any future football to talk about <laughs> at the moment oh, uh, which feels very odd as weird and yeah really weird and it won't be for a number of weeks um but that doesn't mean we might not be back and clearly at some point we will need to think about uh what will happen next season and uh whenever that is and transfers and um Will the transfer window change because the season start and finishes changes? Who the hell knows? So many things to consider. Um, But in the meanwhile, we are, I would like to just remind us, uh, not that I think you've forgotten, but maybe just for everybody else, we are the current reigning European Cup champions, Super Cup champions, World Club Cup champions, and soon to be anointed Premier League champions. So, whenever yeah. this season finishes, <laughs> it won't have been a bad season overall. I would argue. Um, yeah, we've had a little, we've had a little wobble, but you know what? Everybody's entitled to one of those. Arsenal can keep their invincible tags. We've already won more points than Arsenal did in their invincible season, and there's still nine games to go. Thanks. So, frankly, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, so, on that note, ladies, thank you very much uh, for joining me in this uh, very strange period of no football <laughs> and nobody knows what's happening. Um, but we shall carry on regardless. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you've joined this enjoyed this slightly weird pod and uh, we will talk to you all again very soon thanks very much and bye-bye life goes on day after day hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy, cause this land's the place I love, and here I'll stay. Sports Social Podcast Network.